Memories, childhood memories, mm. how they shape, how they inspire. Well, our childhoods were so different. I grew up in Yorkshire, in Leeds. I've got one brother. My parents always worked full time, from what I remember, and spent a lot of time with extended family, my cousins, my aunties, my uncles. Um, I remember being at nursery with my brother. In fact, my nursery teacher is still very much alive and very much in my life um, because it was the church nursery. And um, yeah, it was a happy, a happy childhood. And I think because growing up, my parents always worked full time. I've never really considered not working, you know, taking a break from work when I had children or working part-time because the model that I saw growing up was you work. And I think I read some research recently that children are not negatively impacted by the fact that their parents work. It's more to do with their parents' attitude to work, the way their parents feel about work. If their parents are happy in their jobs, then the children are happy. You know, children, they interviewed children and children didn't say they wanted more time with their parents. They want their parents to be happy. And I think if you're negative about the work that you do, then it makes children think that you're working and being miserable, but you're working for them. You know, these parents who go, well, I have to go to work so that you can have clothes and you can have toys and that sort of attitude. That's has a negative impact on children. But I was really fortunate my parents enjoyed their jobs. I do remember my dad telling stories of some of the um, experiences that he had as he was promoted, um, some of the racist experiences that he had. But generally, you know, they were both very happy in work. And they're both retired now, but you wouldn't believe it. Childhood, I um, born here in England, London, my grandmother had been here a few years. This is my father's mother. Um, and when it was time for her to return to Jamaica, um, my father's family, our family of six children, um, two adults, and his sister, Miss Perlina, um, she had four children. So there's about 15 of us in this one house. Um, so my grandmother was going back home and said to her son and her daughter, let me take one child from each family. We'll lessen the burden, keep me company, um, blah, blah, blah. When my grandmother decided to return to Jamaica, she took myself and my cousin Colin from the two families and off we went. Um, Recently, I went to Florida, Disney thing, and my cousin lives out there. And in speaking to him, he was telling me about the journey on leaving, because I've never known this part of the journey. And he said that we, that dad's friend had some van 
and like we was in the back of this van with the trunk and all them kind and grip and drove down to Southampton um, stopped somewhere to have lunch because he came along and I don't know Stephen he would have been about 10, 11, 12 at the time I was about 3 and it was so interesting listening to your own history mm. so he was saying what it was like and when we got on the ship we was waving, waving, waving and um my uncle, his dad started crying, etc. And it was that was a really interesting take on it, because for us it was a journey. It, you know, when you're you remember like you had a really good dream most mm -hmm. of it. So I just remember we was at water, sea forever, and that's why I suppose I love boats. And then it was just we lived in the countryside. My grandmother really didn't wasn't strict. We did what we wanted to do when we wanted to do it. There was no rules, no restrictions, what at, it was. At three, four years old. Yeah, but we just, you know, nighttime, climb out a fence, demand them. I remember we used to go watch Samson films you know, of a Friday night because there was this guy with a pickup truck and we just used to jump in the back of the truck and they used to take us down there. You know, they talk about drinking rum, playing dominoes. And it sounds ridiculously, people are like, what, what, what? But in cultures, children are treated in how the children are needed. And in, in, in a society where you're rich, you can spoil children and molecule them. Mm. In other societies, children have to work from a very early age, so they get used to being a lot more grown up. Mm. And so it's kind of, yeah, we went to the extreme, but it's kind of wake up in the morning, feed the chicken, feed the goat. You had your chores to do before you went to school. And if they couldn't run the pencil through your hair, you get beat because you had to do picky. Um, but it was like, that's like a huckleberry thin lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And we got used to it. Um, my grandmother was the lady in the village because her time in England, because when the house we lived in, in, in Crofton Park was her house, which housed two families, three floors, five bedrooms. So that's what she left. She came, and when I spoke to her, she came for five years to build and buy a house here so her children's children could be raised and then go back to Jamaica, buy a bit more land that push all the way down to the river there and build up her house. And she was the matriarch, matri matriarch of the village. So we were like spoilt because everybody knew her and it's Miss Esbeth Pitney, you know. And therefore we had the run of the land and. So seeing you talk about work, just seeing how she controlled, you know, if somebody perished and then she organized the grave digging, she organized this, everything came through this woman. Mm -hmm. Everybody came to this woman, you know? And so it's, it was quite interesting, you know, Miss Esmir, Miss Esmir. And then someone going to fur in and they, she would look after the savings book. She'd look after the deeds. She was that person. She was the original community leader. She was the community leader. Mm -hmm. And because she'd gone and come back richer. Mm -hmm. So that was my experience of a, 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 the adult, the primary caregiver. And that entrepreneurial spirit, whatever you want to do, you go do. So that little kid just looked up and saw that. Mm. So there wasn't anybody moaning about their job, vexed about this or vexed about that. This has to get done, that has to get done. So I suppose that's where that spirit in me is that, well, if that needs done, then let's do it. Yeah. We are waiting on other people to do it for. And you know, and that was the, the big influence in my life, the big, 
trauma was the fact that we were out of control and everybody said in this village for instance my grandmother had something like eight sisters and two brothers and they all lived in the community and they just said these two boys are out of control so they wrote back to England and said just come and get these youth and now I think we're six so we're there about three four years I don't know that much but we're only there for about three or four years and in the end my mum had to come and get me and I just remember the first time they said I was up Megara Bush, you know, and came back and this woman was just vexed. And that was my mum and there was no hug, no, oh, no, tears. Mm. You see that like, Disney film there, none of that. Vex, arms crossed, teeth kiss. And I felt that was our relationship for about the next 10 years. Mm. You know, because when you unpick it, how much money and by now everyone's flying down so to fly down the da 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 and next mouth to feed in the house and da 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 and it's almost like that was our relationship for the next a long time wow and that was the re well that introduction of my mom wow and so it's then you change and shift to fit in to this new system with five brothers and sisters all this concrete and most of all not only was I surrounded by black people, but because we is in the countryside, most of them were of a very dark complexion. Mm -hmm. So not only here in England where most people were white, you then had the issue of being black dark amongst everyone else. the black people. Mm. So you had double prejudice nonsense going on. So there was a lot to kind of get used to. Mm. And yeah. Wow. I suppose in a similar way, I feel that I was in some way raised by a community. The flip side of my parents working was that summer holidays and after school meant that we were um, with other people in our family. So I remember there would be summers where my brother and I would go and stay for a week, maybe at one of my aunt's houses. And then we would spend a week at another aunt's house. I remember we even used to stay over at my cousin's step-grandmother's house. <laughs> and all of those experiences added together. Um, I don't know, thinking about it now, it, it was a really rich upbringing. Mm. I remember my cousin's step-grandmother, her routine was, you were not allowed to sit on the bed. And my parents didn't have that strict rule. Mm. And. I think um, I attempted to sit on the bed and she just went ballistic mm, mm. and it was such a shock mm. but culturally that's just how it was you don't sit on the bed that's not mm. what the bed is for mm. so there were lots of different experiences a lot of time spent at my grandparents house mm. um, just running out on the street with my cousins going across to the local park which is called Pot Newton Park and um, hiding under the weeping willow trees and mm. making dens um, so, yeah, in lots of ways, it was a very rich childhood. My dad has um, a number of sisters and they would take it in turns to look after us. And I remember us, we, we used to mock my auntie's mashed potato because it used to be lumpy. Mm. And we all used to just sit and have a laugh around my grandma's table. 
being looked after. And, you know, it was a, quite a big job because it was me, my brother, and all of my cousins who were the same age as me. So there's a, a lot of children to look after when you, when I look back and reflect on it. Yeah. And when I look back and reflect on how much effort it would take to look after somebody else's children. Yeah. But that just kind of came naturally. That was just how it was. Yeah. And um, my dad designs and makes carnival costumes. So as I grew up, a lot of summers were spent, you, could, you weren't allowed to leave the house until you'd finished certain tasks to do mm. with carnival costumes, whether it was gluing sequins or stuffing polystyrene balls into something. You know, my dad was really strict. Until these tasks are finished, you ain't leaving the house. And I used to get my friends involved in that. Um, so again, a wide range of experiences I was brought up, in lots of ways, I was brought up by lots of different people. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I find the, I don't know what generation we are, second, third generation of the immigrant families that came from the Caribbean. In, they started a journey and an adventure. Therefore, the blueprint of how the children behaved was set. So I think looking after eight children of Caribbean parents then is different to now. Mm. As you said, certain rules, don't sit on the bed. And the other fact is, if you got beaten, your parents are not gonna complain to the people because obviously you did something that deserved the beating. Mm-hmm. So there was that shared kind of discipline. Mm. Therefore, we all kind of fell into line, like you don't go into your friend's parents' room. So what, why you fasting yourself on her bed, I really don't know. So you should have got beaten. But, you know, we all shared that. It was, that was the blueprint. Mm-hmm. So because you talk about that community and their community. So, you know, if that person there saw your, it was your dad's friend and you were ramping on street. Yeah. You know, it's going to get back to your dad. 100%. And <laughs> so we were all controlled mm. knowing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I remember even when I grew up, I was old enough to start going to youth club. And um, we had a centre called Mandela Centre. It's still there. Um, and it was a big thing. I was allowed to go to youth club. And walking home, I used to be looking out, making sure that nobody was watching me you know walking up the street sensibly mm. it is that sense that anybody could see you at any moment and they would report it to your parents yeah so it was like a swift walk home yeah no foolishness no yeah. messing about yeah because you could be seen by anybody in the community at any point and it would be reported oh yes <laughs> oh yes there was that that sense of you bring she and pan family mm-hmm. that it was always that respect mm. of the, the family and your place in that family yeah, we talk a lot about the lack of shame mm-hmm. these days. Mm-hmm. I know we sound really old, but mm-hmm. there is just mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. lack of shame. You brought shame on the family. Mm-hmm. It's the worst thing you could ever mm-hmm. do. The worst thing. Do you think we share these stories with our children enough? Probably not. You know, because I've always wondered you know you see movies and programs and certain culture cultures have archived certain experiences so 
the children and the children of the children will always be aware of it. Mm -hmm. I know, you know, we're lucky enough to be in a school and the year group is looking at the Windrush years. Mm -hmm. But even as a community, do we really understand what that means and how ripe the experience is? For us, the second or the first generation of those immigrants who just said, we're going to build a good life for ourselves. Mm. Our children are going to get a good education. They're going to have manners. They're going to go to church. Mm-hmm. And we're going to just transplant our Caribbean characteristics to the streets of the UK, the motherland. You're right. There isn't enough of us writing our own history. Mm. My daughter always reminds me that history is written by the victors. Mm. Does that mean that we are not? victors Mm. in this story Mm. because we're still not writing Mm. our own story Um, or maybe it's that we have so much going on that we just don't even have time to stop and look back and think Mm. Um, you know when I think about how things have changed from my primary school days in the 80s to now that's a humongous journey Mm. but is it recorded anywhere in photos yes Mm. but maybe you're right you know we should be capturing our own history in order to make changes thank you very much for giving us your time and lending us your mind for this brief moment We hope our views, thoughts and humble opinions have gone some way into helping you make a little sense of the big issues that affect us daily. Thank you.